Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. That word glory can also mean give him honor, and it's to Jesus, the bridegroom. Think through this a minute. The typical weddings that we have, who is the one getting honor? Who is, who's the vocal point? What is everybody looking at? It's very simple, the bride. It's the bride. I'll never forget when I was married in the year 2000, September 16th, 2000, Calvary Costa Mesa, Pastor Chuck Smith walked my wife down the aisle, and I'll never forget because I was standing at this, you know, waiting for them to come, and it took forever. <laughs> Why? Because she was going so slow, and both her and Pastor Chuck were looking at everyone, smiling, and, and she was nodding, they were nodding, and I, so my, you can watch the video, my wife was going, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, thank you, and, and she made sure she, I think she looked at everybody that was there, and she was the center of attention, that's what weddings are, the, her, her gown, and I could tell you this, she was a radiant bride, she was glowing, we could have turned all the lights out, and there still would have been light, I mean, she was just... <laughs> She was just glowing as she was walking down the aisle. But all the focus was on the bride in heaven, this marriage supper of the lamb, the the marriage celebration. The the focus will not be us, the bride. The focus is going to be Jesus. Give him honor, that word. Give him the glory. He's going to be the focus. It'll be him. It's supposed to be such a joyous time. I want to share this with you. In the Jewish culture, the marriage supper was the best banquet or the party that they ever knew. As a matter of fact, listen to this. According to rabbinical teachings, your obedience to the commandments were suspended if they would hinder you from being joyous during that time. Did you get that? They would be suspended. In other words, you can come and say, oh, I'm fasting. It's time for me to... No, no, stop the fast. Have joy in your time. Have joy. Or, you know, I can't, you know... No, 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 no. It's a wedding feast. Don't worry about you right now. Let's celebrate. But seriously, it was... It, was, it meant so much. The joy of that celebration, the marriage supper, meant a lot in that culture, and it's going to mean a lot when we get to heaven. And you'll see when we get there. Verse 8, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine, can we say that together? Fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the the saints, arrayed in fine linen. Linen, do you know there's no other group that talks about being arrayed in fine linen, only the church? Guys, don't miss this. The tribulation saints, when we see them, they're in white robes, not fine linen. In other words, we're going to be dressed differently during this whole celebration. In other words, we're not going to be the guests. Well, look at that. They're going to be guests. We're not. We're the bride. And we're dressed in, these, in this bright garment, this, this wonderful garment for this wedding feast, and we are being married, as it, as, as it were, to Jesus. It's going to be an intimate celebration, these garments that will be fi- called fine linen. In my devotional time this morning, very interesting, I'm in Mark chapter 15, and it, something stood out, which I've never read in any commentary, just was in my reading this morning, But check this out. I'm in Mark 15. I'm reading this morning before I had my time with the Lord. I'm doing my reading. And it says, this is Joseph. Remember Joseph of Arimathea? He was a wealthy, prominent man. He wanted the body of Jesus, right? So he went to Pilate, says, can I have his body to give him a proper burial, right? And he was going to give him the tomb. He wasn't going to give it. He was borrowing the tomb, right? 
Do you ever think of that? How do you borrow a tomb? Well, he was only staying the weekend, right? He wasn't... <laughs> it was borrowed. <laughs> I always hear that, a borrowed tomb. <laughs> it's like, well, borrow one. Don't you stay? Don't you stay there? No, not Jesus. He conquered the grave. He didn't stay there. But listen, so he, he asked for the body of Jesus, but we're told, this is what I read this morning. It says, then he brought, can we say that together? Fine linen for Jesus. He was a wealthy man. He wanted to bury him in fine linen. And he took him down and wrapped him in the linen, the fine linen. He laid him in a tomb which, he had, which had been hewed out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. I don't know exactly how that fits. You know, I just noticed that this morning. I'm like, Lord, your timing is wonderful. This is my scripture reading. Jesus was wrapped in fine linen. He was arrayed in fine linen at his grave. He conquered the grave. Somehow, some way, we're going to have this fine linen that we're going to be wrapped in. It's going to be bright. It's going to stand for purity and holiness and, and all. And it's, it's going to be something beyond anything we can imagine. I, I think of Daniel's wording here in Daniel 12.3 where it says, those who are wise shall, can we say that? Shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness shall be like the stars forever and ever. So meaning those who are wise, those who make wise choices, those that do things God's way, those who, who uh, turn many to righteousness, somehow we're going to shine differently in the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever. Does that have something to do with this the garments that we're going to wear. I, I believe it's possible it is. I, I believe so because, look, what are the fine linens? It says, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the, say it again, saints. The righteous acts of the saints. So please don't misunderstand this because someone might misinterpret this and say, oh, the righteous acts, that's how you get into the wedding and you become the bride. No, 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 no. Please don't misunderstand that. You're saved by grace through faith, not by your righteous acts. Not of works, lest anyone shall boast. All of us, listen, all of us as believers in the church age, we will be in this celebration, we will be the bride. But my suggestion is, listen closely, the attire that we'll be wearing might differ from one another because somehow, someway, it's connected to what we do for Christ, the righteous acts that we're doing here. I connect it personally, and I can't be dogmatic, I can't say for sure, because we don't have... but. With scripture, interpreting scripture with scripture, I think it's possible, possibly this is part of the rewards that we receive in heaven. At the Bema seat, judgment, they're, they're going to be given rewards for what we do for Christ. And, and so possibly that's connected. So possibly, and this is me, again, thinking through this, is we're going to shine bright, as Daniel tells us, and then other scripture we're going to look at, we're going to be rewarded for the things we did here on the earth, that, that possibly, so we'll all have wedding garments, we're all going to have, we're going to be arrayed with these bright wedding garments, but possibly those that have led people to Christ, those that have, have shared Christ with others, and possibly they'll shine greater, those that were wise, making wise decisions and doing what God has called them to do, they're going to be possibly arrayed brighter, possibly? Let me put it to you this way. I hope that when my arraignment comes on, it's not like little flickers, like beam, beam. And everybody's got these bright, shining garments, you know, that's, I don't fully understand it, and I don't think we will till we get to heaven. Our Lord Jesus Christ was wrapped in fine linen at his death, and he conquered the grave. Somehow, someway, at this marriage supper of the Lamb, we as the bride of Christ, he we're going to have this special 
fine linen garment that each one of us will be arrayed in that's going to be bright and shiny and, and it has something to do with what we do here on the earth. I don't know about you, but I don't want a dim suit, if you know what I mean, a dim garment. <laughs> There's a, that's Pastor Joe. We thought he would like shine a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Revelation 22:12, talking about the reward, says, and behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus said. This is Jesus. And my what? Reward is with me to give everyone according to his what? We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works, to do what God's called us to do. Second John 1.8 says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for. Interesting. Don't lose those things that you've worked for. Don't be deceived. I'm concerned the church today, the way it's going and the way some of these churches are going, that they don't lose those things that they worked for, but that we may receive a what? A full reward. A full reward. As we talk about doing what's right, as we talk about doing what God has called us to do, as we talk about being rewarded and the works that we do for Christ that will last for all eternity, I'm reminded that we live in a day where we need to know what's right and what's wrong. We're living in a day where deception is just ruling and reigning, and things that are wrong are called right, and things that are right are called wrong. Don't be deceived. Have you seen this? This is wrong. Texas abortionist says it's his life calling to perform 30 abortions per day. He feels called to it. Texas abortionist who has claimed that he used to perform 30 abortions a day called abortion his life's calling. In a recent interview where he describes his dilemma because he lives in Texas about whether he should follow Texas's uh, new heartbeat bill. So he has this dilemma. He says, this is my calling. This would, I'm called to kill at least 30 babies a day. But since the new law in Texas says it's against the law, if the child has a heartbeat, you're, it's against the law. So he has a dilemma. That's the world we live in today. How about this? How many saw this? A Wyoming high school student refused to wear a mask, so police locked down the entire school and arrested her. So she committed a crime, they said. She had a mask on. So lock down the school and throw her in jail. Lock her up. Guys, are people taking crazy pills or is it just me? This is actually a good thing right here. Federal appeal court ends injunction on Texas abortion law. So they turned it over again. So yes, let's give the Lord a hand. So the federal government put a halt to it at a lower court. And then this court says, no, you can't do that. So now the heartbeat law still stands in Texas due to this. So back in our text. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. For years I would read this and I thought, wow, you know, blessed who are called to this marriage supper of the Lamb. And, but if you look up the word called, it can be translated those that are invited. Those that are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know a bride is never invited to the wedding feast? She's not invited. She's part of the whole ceremony. So I don't believe this goes out to the church. I believe it goes out to to those that are invited, the guests, the guests that will be there. And and it's possible that it goes out to the tribulation saints to say, hey, you guys are invited to be guests at this. The Old uh, Testament believers, you guys are invited to watch this. But guys, we're going to be part of the center stage. We're going to be the 
the bride. We're not going to be the ones that are invited to this. It's very interesting. Very interesting. We have a very special place in heaven and for all eternity. And it's going to be, we're going to be this, we're going to be the bride. We're going to be the ones arrayed in these special garments. And it's even too much for my mind to even comprehend what that means. In the Apostle John's day, when this was written, the Jewish marriage was, in the Jewish culture, it was an arranged marriage. You guys know that, right? Do you know how old the children were when, there was, when the parents would arrange it? Typically about five years old. So the parents would, you know, look at their little Moses, and then the other parents would say, oh, I've got little Hannah here, and boy, they would make a cute couple when they get older, and they, so they would start the arrangement. They would arrange a marriage. That's how it was in their culture. And it was, uh, it was arranged with obedience and commitment, and then it turned into love once it was the actual marriage. It developed into love, but it was a, it was a commitment to each other. But then the next phase was the betrothal period. And the betrothal period is when they finally decided when they're older now, they're both agreeing, yes, they make a good couple, let's do this and let's, let's have them to be together. And that would take place typically a year before the actual wedding day. It's called the betrothal. It was a, a, the betrothal was a time where the two would get to know each other. There was no physical contact in that way whatsoever. It wasn't consummated. That was later at the wedding. But they would get to know each other. Interesting parallels with this, with the body of Christ. We're the the bride. Listen to what happens. The third phase was the coming of the bridegroom on the wedding day. And how this worked out is during the betrothal period, the bridegroom, okay, he would build a place for the bride. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, remember? He prepared a place, and what it was, that even in today's culture, you'll see in the Middle East, you'll see homes, and, and when somebody gets married, before they get married, they build another floor, right, for the son that's getting married, and a whole other floor, that's where he, his living quarters. So, so the son would have the, built onto the father's house, and he would build a living quarters for his bride, and while he was putting it together, it was only up to the father to decide when it was ready. Nobody knew the day or the hour. But the father would look to his son, and when he felt it was ready, he would nod to his son, he would say, go get your bride. So the, the, the bridegroom would go out, and he would take his friends, the bridal party and all, and they would go out and then go towards the, the, where the bride's house was. And in the street, the, the best man would blow the shofar, would blow the trumpet. And when the trumpet was blown, the bride knew that it was time to go meet her bridegroom in the street between the two places. Does that sound familiar? As the sound of the trumpet sounds, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord in the air, in the middle, not into heaven, in the, in the, in the firmament, in the sky. We're going to meet him up in the air. So then what would happen is the, the, the bridegroom would take his bride and bring her to the house, and they would spend up to seven days consummating the marriage there in his new home, and they were there as intimately together, alone together. During that time, the, the, the bridegroom would go out. She would stay in the chamber. Interesting that we'll be in heaven for seven years, up into heaven with him. But the bridegroom would go out, in and out from the chamber, and he would, give, he would go and, and get food and gifts, and he would bring it back to his bride while she was there, and he would give her food and gifts during that seven-day period. And then when it was all done, after that, he would bring his new bride, and he would present her to all the guests, and then it was called the marriage supper, and they would all celebrate. That's why there's some dilemma here, because 
when you look at the text and when you see the, the, the timeline with this, you, you see this is at the end of the tribulation period, so it makes a lot of sense. The seven years with, with the bridegroom was with his, his bride for seven days, so we have this time. We're going to be tucked away, alone with him, up in heaven. He's going to go in and out. He's going to do all kinds of things, but we'll be set aside for, for him there during that seven years. So many believe, many Bible commentators believe that possibly the supper itself, when he comes out, see, he's going to, after that seven years, is over, then where do we go? We come back to the earth. So many believe that's when the marriage supper is going to take. The ceremony's up in heaven, and then the time is here on the earth in the millennial kingdom, and we'll rule and reign with him as kings and priests, and that's possible. The, this, that part's speculation. Nobody can really figure it out. Uh, Dr. Vernon McGee even believes that, that they will, we will come back during that time, and he believes the millennial period is all set apart. It's called the marriage supper of the bride the millennial kingdom. We don't know. It's, there's not enough scripture, but we know everything fits in a pretty good way. Amen? Last verse. And I fell at his feet. This is John, the apostle, to worship him. But he said to me, see that you don't do that. You notice the exclamation mark at the end there? Don't do that. And he's going to do it again. You know that in a, in a couple chapters ahead? I believe he's just, John is just so overwhelmed with this whole situation. He's watching all this take place. He's like, he just falls down and starts worshiping. And the angel's like, hey, get up. Don't do that. Don't, don't worship. That's not the time. Then what did he say? He says, I am your fellow servant of, of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Don't worship me. And I think that's a good reminder. Only worship God. Is there anything in your life that you put before God? That could be a form of worship. That can be an idol. We serve a jealous God. Worship God. Put God first in your life. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Interesting. I believe possibly what he's saying is, this is all about Jesus. This whole ceremony that you're looking at. Don't, don't look at me. Don't bow down to me. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything that goes on here, this whole prophecy that you're watching, it's all about Jesus. 27% of the Bible is prophecy telling us what's going to happen in the future. It's prophetic, but it's all centered around Jesus. And, and we have to always make sure it's always about Jesus. Jesus is the center of all prophecy. Everything is, and even the word of God itself, it centers around who? One more time, a little louder. Jesus. Yeah, I want the people online to hear you guys. Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. Remember the, when Jesus rebuked the religious leaders? This is what he said to them. These were the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the ones that knew the law and they studied the law. And so Jesus looked at them and he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Just because you study scripture doesn't make you, doesn't give you eternal life. And he went on to say, and these are they which testify of, you see, if they really knew the scriptures, they would realize the very one that they had in front of them. It was all about him. See, they were blinded. They didn't get it, that the scriptures all spoke about the very one that was standing before them, the Son of God that was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and everything that was made was made by him and through him. The very one that spoke light into existence, the very one that flung the stars out into existence and named them one by one was standing right before them. And he says, You're, you look at the scriptures, but you miss the main thing. They're written all about me, Jesus said. And if you would know the scripture, you would know the very one that's standing in front of you. They missed it. And I believe the same thing as John was bowing down. He said, no, no, the testimony of, of prophets, it's all about Jesus. Don't, even, don't bow to me. This is all about Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Even in Hebrews, we're told the same thing. Hebrews 10, 7, it says, Then I said, Behold, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I have come, and in the volume of the book, it is written of who? 
It's written of me to do your will, O God. It's written of Jesus. Prophecy, scripture, it's all about Jesus. He's the one we worship. During the time of tribulation, they're going to worship the image of the beast. But for us as believers, we worship one. It's God and his son, Jesus Christ. About two, a little over two weeks ago, I received a text from my niece who lived in Michigan. She's the one, her, um, her sister, her mother, my sister, uh, we lived together for five years and they were discipling me for five years. Well, she was in town. Now she's married with six kids. So they were traveling across the United States, and they just were coming through here. So they texted me to see if I was available to meet with them. And so it worked out great. It was a Wednesday, my day off. I said, sure, yeah, let's meet. And so they came over to the house, and we hung out. And we ordered some food, and we ate in at the house. And it was so awesome just sitting there. There are so many kids that they have. They're sitting on the floor eating here and eating over there, and we're all sprawled out eating and hanging out and talking. And, and they all love the Lord. Matter of fact, everyone, all six kids play a different instrument. One plays a harp. So we brought them over to the church, and they were up here on the stage, and they were playing their instruments and all, and they were you know, singing to the Lord, singing worship music and praising God. And I was thinking, wow, this is so awesome. I'm, I'm praising God with my family. But then I'm realizing, wait a second, this marriage supper, we're going to celebrate with our whole family from around the world. Listen, our family that started 2,000 years ago, Paul the Apostle, we're going to meet him. He'll be in this wedding with us. John, the beloved, we're going to meet him. Doubting Thomas, we can talk to him and say, hey, (laughs) how was that? (laughs) But listen, don't miss this. The greatest part is we're going to be with Jesus. And listen as we close. Let me put this up on the screen, the marriage supper of the Lamb, as we close. We're going we're gonna to see Jesus. And the Bible says, we do not know what we will be like, but we will be like him. The very one that was wrapped in fine linen, somehow, someway, we're going to be wrapped and arrayed in fine linen. The very one that appeared and disappeared on the earth when the disciples were gathered together, and it says the doors were locked, and he just appeared. Somehow, someway, we do not know what we will be like, but we will be like him. We will be arrayed somehow, way, in these bright, shiny garments. But our encouragement for every one of us as we close this message, we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. We're called. God set us on this earth for a plan. He set you on this earth with a plan. Everything about you is different than any. That's how unique God is. That's how creative our creator is. You are different than any other person that ever walked this earth or will ever walk this earth ever again. You're unique in every way. Everything about you is different. And God has prepared a work for you. He has a plan for you. And only when you come to know him as your savior will you find out what that plan is. So can I encourage you? Walk in all of his ways. Because we will someday, we'll be standing in this marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus will be the the focus point, but we'll be arrayed. And I want to be arrayed exactly how God wants me to be arrayed in that fine linen garment. And I pray that you're arrayed in that fine linen garment. May there be nothing on this earth that's keeping you from all that God has. If there is something that's in your life that's keeping you from doing and being all that God has called you to be, may I suggest to you, Go to the cross. Give it to Jesus. Let him take it away. 
Let him set you free that you can be used to the fullest capacity. So when we stand at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we will be arrayed in the best garment that God has called for you and I to be in. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.